chapter this week will be the last and final chapter of the book of Daniel, Daniel 12. And we're going to title it Signs of the Great Tribulation. You know, again, we keep talking about it in our current events messages. With everything going on in the world today, um, this Great Tribulation might be closer to us than we think. I mean, we've seen how fast our lives have changed since uh, so-called COVID-19, coronavirus, and March. Um, things can just uh, ramp up at any time and, and totally uh, get out of hand. So, you know, um, like I mentioned, with all this white and anti-Christian hatred gaining steam worldwide, I, I really do believe that's a sign of the time of Jacob's trouble, otherwise known as the time of the Great Tribulation. And chapter 12, before we get into it, it's uh, important to note that this is a continuation of a string of prophecies given to Daniel starting uh, really from chapter 10. So if you if really, if you could group chapter 10, 11, and 12 into one big chapter, and it just really just flows naturally um, with all these different prophetic events leading up to uh, the time of the Antichrist. And last week at the end of chapter 11, um, this it sets the stage for this entire chapter. It was a time when the Antichrist was uh, made his tabernacle on the holy mountain of God, claiming to the world that he is God, and that uh, eventually brings about what we're going to read here in this chapter: the Great Tribulation. Okay, the Great Tribulation. Let's get into it. Daniel twelve verse one, and at that time, what time? The time that the Antichrist is claiming to be God, and, you know, and, and the entire world is worshiping him, shall Michael stand up the great prince, which standeth up for the children of, now check this out, thy people. Who, what, what is this thy people? The Israelites, okay? The true Israelites, not the fake Israelites, not those that of Revelation 2, 9 and 3, 9, those that claim to be Jews and are not but do lie, but are of the synagogue of Satan. We're talking about Christian Israelites here, okay? And you know what's fascinating? If you think about it, if America represents uh, the ten lost tribes of Israel, this prince, Michael, is the prince that defends America. A lot of people don't uh, probably don't look at it that way. It's fascinating. So his job seems to be particularly to defend the nation of Israel, or the Israelites. And it's also interesting, you know, in the great book of Revelation, the only, there are mighty angels mentioned in that book. The only angel mentioned by name is Michael. And that's when he uh, does combat with Satan and his angels and defeats Satan and casts him out of heaven to this earth and so forth. So this is a, it calls him a great prince for a reason. He's a very, very special, uh, loyal, and powerful angel uh, for the kingdom of God. And now check this out. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that, uh, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Okay? Uh, you know, so he's saying there's going to be a time of trouble coming that has never been before. You, you know, think about it. Historically, think of all the great distresses that have happened to, uh, to different nations around the world. you got different genocides. You have these different great wars. Uh, 
there's a time coming, the Great Tribulation is going to be more catastrophic than any of those times, and we're forewarned about it. It's not exciting to think about it. I mean, in some aspects, it can be exciting knowing that we're getting close to the God, Jesus returning, and uh, we get to um, you know, get rid of the wicked and so forth, but it's going to, it's going to be a mighty battle, and um, it's not going to be something that uh, we just... Uh, are going to easily make it through. You have to be mentally and spiritually prepared for this time. That's why he told us, hey, you've got to be ready for this. Um, Jesus in um, Matthew 24, verse 21, I do have it on the screen here. He says uh, concerning the same time period, he says, for then, for then, or remember in Daniel 12, verse 1, it says, and at that time, it's the same time period. It's when the Antichrist has, uh, is set up on the holy mountain of God. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So you have to be talking about the exact same tribulation if there's never was one before like this and never will be one again. Dan, in, uh, uh, Daniel said the same thing and so did Jesus. So they have to be talking about the same uh, tribulation period, which is yet future to us. Verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And we're going to find out, you know, um, I don't know, there's a lot of debate on, uh, you know, what this, this tribulation being shortened. I believe this is a statement that simply says that God has kept this, the tribulation as a short period. Uh, we're going to find out in the book of Daniel, it's, a, it, it's described as a three and a half year period of tribulation. Uh, in the book of Revelation, it's described as a three and a half year tribulation as well in five different places. In, um, described in different ways. Described as 42 months, 1260 days, and a time times and a half a time. Okay. Um, all right, so let's get back to Daniel here. Now we know this is all future. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and, and check this out, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, there's this doctrine out there that says God's going to save everybody eventually. It's called universalism. Uh, eventually, everybody's going to be saved. Everything's going to be okay. Everybody's just got to go through certain things. God loves everybody no matter what. Well, this verse says quite a bit different. Now, it's talking about those that sleep in the dust. It's talking about those who have passed on and died. Okay, It's a figure of speech. You sleep in the dust. It means you, you, know, you die. Your body's buried. Uh, we're talking about the time of the, the resurrection. And it appears as though this is referring to the general resurrection, the resurrection of the good and the bad uh, that uh, will present themselves before the throne of God. So it says, Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. You know, um, we, get one, you know we get one life to, to prove ourselves to God, whether we're going to have everlasting contempt to be um, uh, destroyed in the lake of fire or whether we earn eternal life. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's amazing how people 
you know, they don't really think about how serious this is, you know. Um, what we do now determines whether we live or die in the, you know, in the future. And not only that, uh, I mean, think about this everlasting contempt. I mean, just think of your name if, if, you, don't, if you don't make it and to make it to heaven. Um, you know, having that everlasting contempt upon your name, that, that that guy was un that man or that woman was not loyal to God, was not reformable. You know, they, they had every chance they they needed and just still would not conform to the kingdom of God. Um, verse three, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, now think about that. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. I tell you what, in most of our evangelical funhouses today, you're not going to go there to, be, to, to become wise. You're going there to get your ears tickled. You're going there to get a feel-good message. The only way that you can get wisdom is by studying the Word of God. And that means putting a little elbow grease in, you know, turning the pages, you know, uh, you know, thinking about, studying, contemplating, talking about it. That's where you get wisdom. Now, um, unfortunately, most people that claim to be Christians today uh, are biblically illiterate. They have no biblical wisdom. Um, so we see that wisdom is important. You know, uh, John brought it up earlier. He was studying... Uh, the book of Proverbs, and he was talking about how it was just so interesting on how wisdom seemed to be the most important thing in life. Um, you know, as far as compared to, I'm not saying that love and family aren't, but as far as possessing something. You know, you could have mansions, you could have gold, you could have silver, but the book of Proverbs says the most valuable thing you can get is wisdom. In fact, wisdom will help many. Wisdom helps many people get silver and gold, anyways. But uh, uh, so it's it. We see here it's it's uh, something that uh, when we study our Bibles, it's not something we just are spending time doing. It's actually something that will um, uh, that will be. You know, it's like a um, durable income. Dur Every time you learn something new from the Bible, you don't you don't ever lose it. You get to keep it for the eternity. You get to keep it with you in heaven. And that wisdom will be what causes you to shine as a star um, in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and also, you know, it says, they that turn many to righteousness. How do we do that? How do we turn people from being evil to being righteous? Again, it's simple. It's teaching them the word of God. Um, and... Uh, not to keep harping on the evangelical funhouses, but they're not striving to turn people away from being evil to righteousness. They're just not doing it. They, in fact, they belittle the laws of God and say, well, we don't really need that anymore. It's just the commandment is just to love. Well, there's no wisdom in that. How do I love? How, do I, how does God expect me to love my neighbor? He gave me all these commandments. Does that mean I just throw them away because, and, and, and say that love is all I need? No, the commandments teach you how to love. It's, um, anyways, I'm not going to go down that road here, but verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even till the time of the end. 
Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. In other words, the the angel tells Daniel, hey, it's not going to happen in your lifetime, but it's important that you write it down, but but then shut the book. It will come at a time, the time of the end. You know, notice it's interesting. When is the time of the end? It's the time when knowledge is increased. Now think about the internet. I think that's, a, that's definitely a sign of the times. I mean, uh, even studying the Bible, you, mean, you can get all the worldly knowledge you want on the internet. Just typing in, search, you know, searching things. Uh, you know, it's at the, it's just all the knowledge we want is at our fingertips. Um, also, studying the Bible. It's amazing how fast you can study and learn the Bible with internet tools. So we're definitely living in this time where many are running to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. We're not physically running. We're at, I mean, I can tap into somebody's computer halfway across the world without even moving my feet just by having my computer on. It's amazing. Uh, fascinating. Verse 5. And also... Um, John and I were talking a little bit more before the study. He mentioned how fascinating it, how interesting it is that, um, uh, you know, technology has exploded so much in this generation. You know, and what's the reason for that? Are there angelic beings behind the scenes? Did they help give humans this technology? I mean, how did we go from basically, you know, this very long continuum of, technological advances that really the world really hadn't changed very much until about a hundred years ago and then it just totally changed. Um, I think that's what this verse is referring to. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked and behold, there stood other two, other two angelic beings, he's being visited by all these different angels, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. Now, this river is believed to be the Tigris River in uh, where modern-day Iraq is, where ancient Babylon was. Um, why he's given this vision here, um, I don't uh, completely understand, but it's important to note. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, you know, this guy's, a, I mean, right here, this is systemic racism. I just, I just happened to see this and it disturbed me so much. I, we, linen, you know, we're talking about white clothes. <laughs> just just having a little fun here. But um, anyways, he said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be until the end of these wonders? So this is a very serious uh, you know, situation going on here. These angels are talking to each other. One says, how long is it going to be until the end of the tribulation? Okay. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, now check this out, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things should be finished. And I believe that's what's going on today right now. In part, the power of the holy people is being scattered with uh, this this anti-American, anti-white, anti-Christian hatred fomenting not only in America, but around the world. Um, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to scatter the power of the holy people. Remember Revelation 12 says the serpent chases the woman. Okay, he's persecuting her. He hates her. He wants her out of the picture. Okay, um, 
But also, now think about this. this. This angel had his right hand and his left hand up into heaven, and he swore by an oath that the tribulation would last three and a half years. Now, some people say, well, the time, Jesus said the time has been shortened. Now, I, I think the shortened time is the three and a half year period. Some people believe that the tribulation was shortened uh, from down from seven years to three and a half years, or from three and a half years to five months um, because of the fifth trumpet being a five-month period. But if you, if you really look into that, all of the trumpets seemed, and the vials fit into the tribulation period. The fifth trumpet being a five-month-long trumpet is only uh, you know, a part of that, that great tribulation, I believe. Um, and because you, you still have this three and a half year period mentioned five times later in the book of Revelation um, that uh, was written after this. And again, this was a solemn oath. This, this, uh, this is uh, an official declaration of how long the tribulation would be. Uh, 12 verse 8, again, it's not speculation. If somebody says the tribulation is five months, that's pure speculation. Um, because it doesn't say that there. just That's a five-month period of the locusts. But what it does say pretty clear is it'll be for a time, times, and a half a time right here in the book of Daniel. And I heard, but I understood... Now check this out. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Have you ever felt like that when you're studying the Bible? Uh, you know, you heard or you heard somebody teaching it. You said, I heard them, but I couldn't understand. Um, you know, that, that happens sometimes. That's normal. Even the prophet Daniel himself, way wiser than any of us, um, had trouble understanding things that were being directly given to him. Okay? So, you know, it's, it's not, uh, we shouldn't uh, feel ashamed because of that. There are many times when I'm studying different prophecies and I'm like, it just, something's just not making sense. Something's not clicking. And then other times, uh, something might, I, might might not be clicking, and then all of a sudden, boom, it, after some more study and more prayer, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now, I see it. And some things we're just not going to understand until they actually happen, okay? Remember, Daniel wasn't supposed to understand it completely because he wasn't even going to live during the time that these prophecies would, would come to pass. The important part is, is when they do come to pass, we have enough of a working knowledge of the Bible that we can recognize it. We can say, oh my gosh, that's Revelation 12 happening right now. You know, that kind of thing. Um, verse 9, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Now it's interesting, the, Daniel was told to seal the book up, but the book of Revelation um, means the, the very name revelation means to reveal, to unseal. And that's exactly what we see in the book of Revelation. We see uh, a scroll there that was sealed with seven seals. And a great majority of the book of Revelation from like chapter 5 until the end was contained in those sealed scrolls that were unsealed one at a time there. Um, I think it's that's it, it. It definitely there definitely is a correlation here between what was told, uh, what was said to Daniel, and uh, and those passages. Daniel twelve verse ten: Many shall be purified and made white 
Oh, there it is again, systemic racism. Many shall be purified and made white. We can't have that, okay? And tried, I'm just teasing, this doesn't have anything to do with skin color. <laughs> okay, it means white is a symbol of purity and, and holiness and so forth. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise, there that is, there's that word again, wise, but the wise shall understand. Now, you can even kind of see that in type today. You know, you talk to your friend that's a big uh, leftist Democrat voter today, and you try to explain that to them what's happening to America. Um, some of them might even claim to be Christians, and you try to explain to them that, hey, you can't be a Christian and vote for Democrats anymore because the Democrats have gone so far um, away from the Bible and they're totally against the Bible. Um, you, you just can't do that anymore. And they don't comprehend that. They think of the Democrats as, well, they want to help the poor. They want to help the immigrants and all that. And, they, and that's, how they, that's all they see. And so they're totally blinded because they don't know how to rightly divide the word of God, nor, quite frankly, do they even really care to try. Um, so anyways, it says, none of the wicked shall understand. You cannot, sometimes, um, there's a passage in the book of Revelation that says, we get to a certain point of time in, in history uh, where God says, let the filthy be filthy still and let the righteous be righteous still. In other words, you get to the point where it's just like nobody's turning from either side. You're either, you know, the righteous are being righteous and the wicked are staying wicked. And it, I'm not saying that people can't convert now. People will be converting all throughout the tribulation. But it definitely is getting harder and harder to convince somebody away from believing all this indoctrination by the left. Very hard to, very hard to do. Um, so, you know, and also the, the Great Tribulation. Why do we have to go through the Great Tribulation? You know, many people teach that Christians get to get raptured because they think Christians don't deserve to go through the tribulation. We're good people. These are the bad people. God doesn't want us to be here during that time, so he gets to bring us to heaven and then punish the people on earth. Well, the thing is, is what, you know, the tribulation is not just for punishing the wicked. It's actually to purify the righteous. Okay, so, and we've talked about this before. When you go through tribulation, when you go through hard times, it's purifying you if you're turning back to God and you're, and you're struggling and you're trying. Just like an athlete, when he's training for an event, you know, it, it, he's, they put forth all this effort, they go through ups and downs, failures and wins, uh, they get sore, you know, they're working out. But eventually they come back stronger after each phase of their uh, training and uh, experience. So, you know, God's preparing some his elect or his people. Um, he wants them to be purified when it comes time to bringing his kingdom back to the earth. Um, yeah, it's like uh, I, another analogy I could use. It's like you wouldn't send soldiers off to war without first putting them through basic soldier training, basic training. Uh, it, it would be crazy. It'd be like, you know, and it's the same thing with God's kingdom. I mean, he's, now think about this. He's act, there are many scriptures that talk about this. God is preparing his people to actually be rulers in his kingdom, to be, to have gr a great deal of responsibility. Um, 
And if we're not conditioned and ready for that, there's no way we could just step into that office, that step into that role come when it comes to that time. Because I tell you what, when Jesus returns, all these world leaders that are in charge right now, they're not going to be in charge anymore. Somebody's got to fill those positions. There are going to be princes. There are going to be priests. There are going to be you know all these different uh, positions in the kingdom of God. And we are working for those, working for and proving ourselves for those positions right now. In fact, Jesus said it in the book of Matthew and I think the book of Luke. Um, he's, he talked about the parable of the talents. You know, the guy that was given one talent or the guy that was given five and ten, they doubled it and said, uh, one of the statements that he said to them, to one of them was, a job well done, my good and faithful servant. Now I will make thee ruler over ten cities. Okay? So this is, this is uh, there's a lot more here than many might think. Verse 11, And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Oh boy, here we go. We're getting into numbers here now. Um, now this, this abomination that maketh desolate set up, I believe this to be the time that the Antichrist is in the temple of God or on the holy mountain of God claiming to be God. Now he says there will be 1,290 days from when that event happens, if that's the event. And that's my view at this time. Others have some different views, but that's what I'm going to go with here today. So he says you basically just have to count 1,290 days. For what? Um, um, well, we'll see here. There's another time period. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Now, now first, of, first of all, 1290 is what? Does anybody know why that seems like a, a goofy number? Well, 1260 is the three-and-a-half-year tribulation, right? 1290 is 30 days past that. And some people would say, well, how do we go past the tribulation? Doesn't the tribulation happen and then Jesus just returns? Well, it doesn't appear that way. It appears as though there's the great tribulation, um, that the Antichrist has. And then there's this period after the Great Tribulation that I believe to be, uh, well, we'll call it the, the time when God's wrath is poured out upon the earth. And um, I believe it's going to go for uh, you know several months after Satan's uh, Great Tribulation. And uh, we'll see another time. So we got 1260. Now think about this. We have 1260. That's the three and a half year period. Now he just says, Something about 1290. And now he says this, verse 12. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days, which is 1335 days. So 1335 days is 75 days longer than the three and a half year tribulation. So why do we have to wait? Why are we blessed if we make it to that time. Now think about this. Many Christ this, this verse alone disproves a rapture theory. Because you're blessed if you make it all the way through the tribulation and 70 days long, 70 to, 75 days past that. Um, I believe this is also um, you know, tied into the verse where Jesus said that we must be faithful unto death and then we'll receive a crown of life. So when you wait, it means you're patiently waiting, you don't get deceived, you stay the course, and you make it all the way until this 
this day here, the 1335th day, and then you've made it if you make it to that day. Um, but your, the question might be, well, again, if Satan's tribulation or the tribulation of the Antichrist is for three and a half years, why do I have to make it to this 1335th day? Um, as I believe, again, I believe that this 75-day extension is the time that the vials of the book of Revelation are poured out. So we'll probably be living here on the earth right after the tribulation. There are scriptures in the book of Psalms that kind of talk about this. That It says that the righteous will see the wrath of God poured out upon the wicked. It says, a thousand will fall at thy left hand and ten thousand at thy right hand. And, but it shall not come nigh you. Death will not come, come to you. And I think maybe God will leave a, a pretty serious impression on even the overcomers at that time. When they see God's wrath, when they see all these people dying all around them being punished and it not touching them. We have a type of that as well in uh, the Exodus when, uh, during the Passover. Remember the death angel passed over and uh, killed all of the firstborn of the Egyptians, but didn't touch those that put the blood of the lamb. They were there. They were right there where all this plague, the plagues were hitting the Egyptians, but it wasn't touching them. I think we're going to see that time. We're actually going to see the wicked die right before our eyes. And it's going to be uh, very catastrophic. Anyways, verse 13. But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. In other words, this angel already knew that Daniel would die and be resurrected and he would have a good position in the kingdom of God. But he was supposed to be... Now think about this. If we don't live during this time, this is a good verse for us. I think we probably will live during this time. But, um, uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, for Daniel, he was just told, you know, go your way, live your life, and you will receive a great reward. Okay, you won't live during this time, but you'll be you'll be fine. You're going to be rewarded. Um, you know, so that's the attitude we have to ha we have to have. If it doesn't happen in our lifetime, be content that God has a place for us in His kingdom at the end of our days. Um, so, in conclusion, just wrapping this up, uh, you know, the book of Daniel ends with. With this great tribulation period, it starts with the rise and fall of all these various pagan uh, world empires and kingdoms, starting with Babylon. We saw the, the infamous struggle between the dynasties of the kings of the north and the kings of the south. And then finally the Antichrist comes and the great tribulation is here. And then it all ends. It's the time of the end. So the book of Daniel really covers a long time period of pagan world dominion um, ending with the uh, conquest of the kingdom of God. And um, that's all I have. Anybody have any questions or comments? Worship 
Jesus or, or can evangelize. Or yeah, right. People. So obviously that's not the current, you know, God's people. Well, let me add one more thing to that real quick. I was going to add this in a study. Um, so when the dragon chases the woman, when he's here during the Great Tribulation, where is she? In Israel? No, she's in the wilderness. That's something that a lot of people don't put together. So the great when the Great Tribulation is happening, the woman is not, the nation of Israel is not in Palestine or the land of Canaan. She's gone into the wilderness, and he's chasing her. <clears throat> Which would that, that would probably be America? I think so, yeah. Well, that makes that's kind of what my point was, is that even though his people are here, and this is the, where the attack is happening, I still think the Antichrist will be in Israel, just because that's what everybody, that's what the Bible shows, you know, that's the demographic, or not the demographic, but the, that's the plot of land that the Bible always talks about, so. Right, I, like I agree. has to, it'll probably still happen there, you know, that part of it. Yeah, I definitely agree, because it does, I mean, it's very specific in Daniel 11, at the end, the last verse of Daniel 11, it says, he shall plant his tabernacle in the holy, between the seas and in the holy mountain of God, you know, between the Mediterranean and the whatever sea there. But, um, yeah. He it's in, kind of interesting that the, uh, that's not where his people are, but that's where the Antichrist is going. I've never really thought of it that way. Yeah. And it's, it kind of makes sense, really, that, uh, that he would be allowed to do it there because that isn't where God's people are. Well, yeah, because a lot of people that believe that... Um, a lot of people who believe that uh, the modern, a lot of people that believe the modern day nation of Israel is the Israel in prophecy, um, they're looking at the Antichrist being there with the Israelites in Jerusalem. You know what I mean? Right. But they're totally ignoring Revelation 12, where the woman's not there. She's fled. Well, and aren't the, is the Jews. Modern day Jews, aren't they kind of still waiting for Jesus? Like the first Jesus? You're right, yeah. They're still waiting for their Messiah. Their Messiah, yep. yeah. So, um, so when the Antichrist comes, they're going to be like, they're right. oh, the picture, he's there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jesus said um, something. He says, I come in my Father's name and you reject me. He says, One will come in his own name. He said, You'll receive him as the Messiah. And. Um, Right. They will. Uh, that's the, that's. I think that's going to be one of the greatest deceptions. Is that when the Antichrist gets here, he'll be viewed as the Jewish Messiah, and Christians will then think they read their Bible wrong somehow, or they'll be. I don't know exactly how it'll be played out, but naturally, all these Christians that are supporting the nation of Israel over there now, they're prepped for yeah, they're all prepped. They're going to follow in suit and think that well, that's the Messiah of the Jews. That's my Messiah. We all. You know they're gonna they're gonna. Right. That's how I think they'll be tricked into worshiping the Antichrist. Or like you said, even the miracles and stuff. Yeah, uh, and then you add the miracles on top of that, um, and uh, and there you know there are very sinister forces that trace back to one family that have been pushing socialism, communism, uh, and so forth. So I mean it's a uh, it's very interesting. Yes. I just think it's kind of interesting. It's like to, this coronavirus stuff just started in 2020. Well, 20 plus 20 is 40. 40 is the number of tribulation. 
Yeah. We're just starting to be chased by the dragon, all of the Democrats. Right, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, 2020, the year 2020. Yeah, you add 20 and 20 together, you get 40. Mm -hmm. That's the number of probation or testing, the number of days Jesus was in the wilderness, and the number of years the Israelites were tested in the wilderness as well. Good point. Yeah, so it's not another thing that 2020 is perfect vision. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Funny. So it was like kind of an awakening and start to see things clearly for some. Not yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean. Any other official comments or questions? What's the next? Uh, oh, yeah, the next book, I think. I'm 95% sure we're going to do the Lamentations of Jeremiah. And that was, and the reason I want to do that book is because of everything that's going on uh, with America falling apart, is uh, the Lamentations of Jeremiah had to do with the time when ancient Israel's nation got taken over by the Babylonians and their nation fell apart. And Lamentations means weeping, crying, you know. The prophet Jeremiah was very upset and sad watching his nation crumble and fall apart. And it seems like that's where we're at now, so I figured that would be a good book to get into. Um, anything else? I think it's a short one. It's only like eight chapters, I think. Those are fun to get through, the short ones. Well, well, Daniel really isn't that long either, but when you pick a book like Genesis, we were in that for like two years. It's like 49 chapters. And then I had to do some special study breaks in between and made it even longer. So, Anything else? All right. Mission Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you, and thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He is loose the faithful lightning of his terrible sword.